Revelation, the book of, and hope that there is a lot of revelation this morning, the work of the Spirit and the Word. <coughs> I'm speaking um, a message from the Lord that he gave me first and asked me to put it into practice. So I'm not speaking something that I haven't done and been challenged on. And uh, we're just going to look at this um, passage of scripture that I believe is a, a word from God for us as a church, as a people, and for you individually, as it has been for me. And I believe that every word, actually, that God gives us to bring to the church is from him. Otherwise, what's the point of speaking? But uh, God has really laid this on my heart to bring this morning. And um, it's a wonderful message, but it's also very challenging. And so um, I'd just like you to be aware this morning of your own heart and your own life. Um, and let the word read you and show you where you're at, rather than you judge the word with your own kind of head. Let the word work in your heart and begin to bring a fresh light to your heart this morning so that you can respond appropriately to, to Jesus. Now, this, the book of Revelation was given to the Apostle John when he was on an island in exile for his faith. And he had a vision and you can read it in chapter 1, but this vision of the resurrected, glorified Jesus. And whilst a lot of the time we can relate to Jesus in his humanity, God also wants us to know him in his glory. That he is now glorified, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And he has this, what I would say, a uh, shocking image of Jesus, shocking in that it got him to the core. He had to fall down on his face. And I think as a church and as individuals, we all need to be shocked at who Jesus is. Not the little Jesus that we have that is pocket-sized, but the great, big, awesome King of kings and Lord of lords. So he has this vision of Jesus whose eyes are like fire, meaning they penetrate everybody and everything. And he's got this hair oh, like wool, which means that he is the ancient of days, the one who always was, the one who is, and the one who is yet to come. And he sees this um, fear-filling vision of Jesus not afraid um, that he is going to be cast into the fire, but afraid because he knows that this is the awesome God that he is meeting with, who loved him and gave himself for him. So this is, this is about the real nature of who Jesus is. And Jesus then speaks about... Um, having a message for different churches. There were seven churches that were spoken of in Revelation. 
And he gave the message to angels to speak. Now, an angel means a messenger. It doesn't actually mean the angelic in this setting. It actually means the messenger to the church, which would mean the pastor. The one who was called by God to hear God and deliver the message that God wanted to bring to the church. And he calls these angels like stars in his hand, and I'm so grateful we are there in his hands for him to use and work and move as he intends. And you could say that the one that speaks is like the ultimate MRI scan because he is this glorified Lord in our midst this morning. In this church, this is who he is here, and he's scanning the condition of all of us. He's looking at each one of us. And he says that within every local church there is this golden lampstand which actually speaks of light. That without light we end up in the dark where we used to be. And so we need the lampstand, we need the word revealed by the Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit in the church. Otherwise, we will all go back into the dark. And the dark is a bad place that nobody wants to be in because we were there and we were brought out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And so Jesus is in the midst of this church and we're going to read verse 1 to 7. And we're going to read what he wants to say to the churches, to the angel or to the messenger of the church of Taunton. Write, these things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Thank you. Next, can I just, we're going to read through. I know your works, your labor, your patience, that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they're not apostles and they are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience, and you've labored for my name's sake and not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you and quickly remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. But this you do have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, I've got an ear, have you got an ear this morning? He who has an ear, let him hear or listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, 
which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So God is speaking to his people. And I love it that he begins with a massive dose of encouragement. That he speaks about this great church at Ephesus. And the church at Ephesus was actually started by Paul the Apostle. And then pastored by Timothy, his disciple. And Apollos used to go there, a great man of the scriptures, used to go and preach in Ephesus. So they had the best of the best preach in the church. And they began turning from idols, turning from things that used to grab their hearts. And they turned and burned them and began to love and follow Jesus and believe in him. And they were so strong in their beginning. But they had kept going and there was a lot of good that Jesus wanted to talk about. That they hadn't grown weary. They weren't these people who did nothing, popped in for a service and went home. They were those who served the Lord, who gave their time and energy. But there was something wrong in the eyes of Jesus. And that was clear to him. And he wanted to communicate to them. Very often we see what we do and say, I'm doing really well with God. But sometimes we just need to hear his voice to speak right into our hearts. Because unless he speaks, we don't see. We can't see without his light. And so he's sending light through his voice into the heart of this church. And this light is, I've got one thing against you. It's wonderful that he didn't come up with a long list because I think by the end of this morning, we'd be so confused about what God was saying. It was just one thing he wanted to say. Apart from the encouragement, he only had one thing. And the one thing actually would sort everything. It's amazing what one thing that he reveals is wrong, can sort absolutely everything in life and in his church. And he says, I've got one thing against you. Now, if that doesn't make you shudder, that God is against something in the church. We know he is love. We know he is merciful and gracious and kind. That we've been talking a lot about the outpouring of grace. But God actually says through Jesus, his son, I've got one thing against you. That you have left your first love. I'm no longer first in your love and affection and devotion. Other people, other things, other stuff has got in. And I am displaced. 
not in what you do, but in your heart, in your total devotion to me. Do you remember a lawyer came to Jesus and said, Lord, sum up the law and the prophets for us. What is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, we can all quote it, can't we? One thing to quote, another thing to do. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Starts with your heart, your spirit, and it moves through into your choices, your decisions, your soul, your mind, your emotions, and then into strength, your physical <laughs> living out what you say in your heart. And Jesus said the first is love him with all, not part, all your heart. And he says the second is like it, that you love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, the Christian life can be summed up in how much you love God and how much you love people. And by the way, Jesus is right. Anybody else's opinion on what's most important? And of course, it's all by faith. Faith pleases him, but he looks for complete, utter devotion to him. That's what he's asking from me, and that's what he asks of all who follow him. It's interesting, isn't it, that Jesus didn't make it easy, actually, for people to follow him. He said, well, <laughs> you know, you're going to have to give up stuff. You're going to have to bear a cross if you want to follow me. Because no one can come unless they, can they can't follow me unless they deny themselves and pick up their own cross, their sacrifice, and love me above all others, even your family, even your wife, your husband, your kids, even the blessing of work that God gives you, and definitely more than yourself. Love me with all your heart, or you're not a follower of Jesus. Jesus did not make it easy, but he made it clear. And it's amazing to, to me that this church began very strong. But a few decades la later, they were still doing the stuff, but they'd lost the heart. And to be honest, I couldn't believe that Pastor Andrea brought that message on Pinocchio. Because for me, it's so prophetic over the message this morning that when you lose heart, you become wooden. Everything becomes what you've got to do rather than what you really love doing for God. And you become more like a wooden Christian than a person who's on fire and zealous for Jesus Christ. And so God speaks to this church that are in danger of losing everything because that's how bad it got. Ephesus, 10 years later, 
was disbanded. The church went into the dark. They didn't heed the warning. And God does send messages because he loves us like a good parent loves their children and warns them. Drugs will hurt you. Traffic will run you over. Losing your first love for God will end bad and dangerous. It's dangerous to not love him with all your heart. It's dangerous. If you read your Bible and know the scriptures, you will read of a man called Solomon, who was King David's son. And he had a wealth of inheritance from his father's relationship with God. His mum was actually so instrumental in his own faith life. He speaks of it in the scriptures, in, in Proverbs. And he loved God so much. He needed God. We've crying out this morning, I need you, God. Solomon needed God's wisdom. He was like a child. He didn't know what to do when he was put into the leadership role. And he said, God, I've got to have your wisdom. He sacrificed thousands of animals. He said, I'm not going to compromise in what I give to God. In worship, I'm going to give him all that I am when I worship God. I'm not holding back. Then he built the temple, which was the greatest temple that the world had ever seen at that time. And when they worshipped God, the glory of God filled the temple like a cloud. And God promised them if they set their hearts as a people on God and God alone, God would be their provider. No pestilence would come on their land. There would be nothing but blessing upon blessing upon blessing. But if their hearts turned away from God to follow other things, it would end bad. No, I can't believe it when you read in Scripture what happened to Solomon. He had appearances, two appearances with God. I haven't had one. I see him in my heart. I have never seen, I've never had a living appearance. Abraham had one. I follow Jesus because he's appeared to me in my heart. I know him. Solomon had two he experienced God in wisdom. He was the wisest king of the, the world and people would travel to hear from God through this man. But you know what? His heart began to love others. His problem was women. That was his problem. And you and I all have our own loves for other things, do we not? Uh, we can have love for things. Uh, love for money that buys the things we want, that our goals are things. Oh, when we go to heaven, we won't be talking about the things. 
the houses we lived in, the cars we drove. It will be meaningless, beloved. Meaningless. It will mean nothing in comparison to being saved by God himself who died for us and rose again. And Solomon's heart actually, if you imagine my two hands, he started off, his heart was fully turned to Jesus. Imagine where my microphone is, is God. And this is Solomon. Here's his heart, full. I'm devoted to him. I need him. But slowly, love bit by bit took his heart away. And he would have said, oh, I believe in God. Because many times we start to say the same things, but our hearts have started to turn before our words ever change. And in fact, we can say all the words, all the words right. We can even sing the right words. But our hearts can be turned away from loving Jesus with all our hearts and all our soul and all our mind and all our strength. This is his command that we love him and we love each other. Do you know Solomon, after the, 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 the things he loved turned his heart away, he began to sacrifice to other gods in worship. He ended up ruined and wrecked by demonic worship. This lover of God turned into a worshiper of other things. So in the dark, his life uh, finished badly. And the Lord wants to say this morning, I see the future and I don't want it to end bad for you. But I want you to see the possibility of it ending bad so that you can decide to make a change. Isn't he good? Like a loving father would warn the children that he adores. I need you to see, I need you to see that love for other things have crept in. I need you to see. <laughs> Praise God. The first thing he says, the remedy is. And I find it really interesting what he says the remedy begins with, and that is remembering. First he says, remember. When I went through this with the Lord, I began to remember myself. When I was first saved, just the joy of being alive to God. I'm forgiven. I didn't need any more information. I was born again. I loved him. I had such a joy. 
that I was forgiven. It meant the world to me that I had become a Christian. Prayer? No bother. I talked to him on my own in the secret place because I read that's what he liked. And then I talked to him all day about anyone and anything. And then I realized everybody needed to know about Jesus. I realized my work, where I worked, was a field for the Lord. It wasn't just to get paid. And I thought, brilliant. God has given me an opportunity to tell them that they too can find forgiveness of sins and a new life and a new heart and get to know God and have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I was a pain to my friends. I would sit for hours. The ones who I'd walked with in the world suddenly became the people I needed to see saved. I loved the church. They were a funny bunch. Nothing like me. Nothing like my age, my background. I couldn't share any experiences with this bunch. But I loved them. Every sermon was like honey. I would sit there, somebody's telling me about Jesus. I love Jesus. I wanted to know the word of God, and I don't mind about the screen. I wanted to know the word. And it was like, I'd be desperate to get home to read my Bible. I couldn't understand it. I'd be like, well, it's the word of God. It'll do me good. Oh, wow. Oh, Leviticus. It's the word of God. It'll do me good. And then some of the stuff that happened to people. Somebody died when they touched the ark. I, I know he saved me. Well, that must mean he's made me holy. I just used to find out I had a job where I would drive. That was my job to go and advise different people, different things in my job. And uh, I used to be on, on the road eight hours a day, probably even more sometimes. Well, worship tapes at the time, no CDs, blaring through any tapes I could get, messages that other people had preached. I'd be listening to them again and again and again. I would sing all day. I couldn't stop singing. It was not a problem to arrange my life around God. Arrange my life around church. It wasn't a problem to me that I was not brilliant at praying. I went to the prayer meetings. I just knew it must be the greatest place on earth to go because it changes the world. So I decided it was a great place to go. I'd learned to pray anyway, and I did. When I went, when I couldn't pray, I went and I learned to pray. 
And I wouldn't miss a prayer meeting. I couldn't miss a prayer meeting. I'd arrange work. I'd book appointments so that I could be at every meeting early. And I would say to them, can I serve anywhere? I'm not very good at anything, but I'll do anything. I don't know what it's been for you and your background with Jesus when you were first saved. And you look back at those early years when you were saved. Things weren't a bother to sacrifice. If he asked me, well, he did ask me. It was a bit more than 10%. He told me to give up my house. That was more than 10%. Uh, I was like, no worries. I don't have a problem with being generous. And God says to this church that started strong, but we're in danger of losing the first love for him. Remember. Remember. And if you can't remember, I have to ask you a question. Are you a child of God? Are you someone who has repented and believed in Jesus Christ? Because if you are, he's given you a new heart and you have a relationship with God and you will love him. And so if you have never loved Jesus, it's important to ask the question, should I put my life right with God, turn away from all others, Turn and believe in Jesus Christ and be saved. Jesus didn't come to make your life better. He came to save you. Remember, now you know a lot you've got no joy. You find it in other things. Other things are far more exciting than God and church and prayer. You arrange everything around what you want to do. You grab a verse from the Bible like you grab a coffee going somewhere. Indicates love. All these are symptoms of a lack of love for God and his word. Lack of love for Jesus. You can't remember the last time you really heard his voice talk to you. Listen to everybody else's advice except his. You're a pick and mix Christian who does only what they want to do but never do what costs you. And that actually you do because you love him. You're just willing to sacrifice everything to serve him. By the way, this is a generalization, 
but I believe the Lord speaking. To get into the secret place and pray, you've got to have all the props going. Do I have worship? Do I feel like it? Am I in the mood? Everything else has taken its place. Really what you want, you love staying in bed longer. You're tired. Tired, being tired never used to stop you praying. But now tired leads your prayer. You no longer really serve from your heart. You do it because you should. And you do your bit. Or I have heard somebody say this and it cut me to my heart. I've done my bit now. And that's it. I'm going to live my life and enjoy my life. We've never done our bit until we go to glory. You will never retire. Thus says the Lord. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Some of you give like you're squeezing that money so hard it's making the queen cry. Squeezing a tear out of her eyes. Money has become your God. Excuses. I've had them. This is me too, by the way. I've made them. And one of the biggest excuses of our day is I don't feel like it. Can I read you a little portion of those who've gone before from Hebrews? I just thought of this this morning. I thought, Lord, this phrase of the saints of old, of whom the world was not worthy. Listen to this. This is what they sacrificed to maintain their witness and testimony in their generation. This is what the price they paid to follow Jesus. Hebrews 11. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they may obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings, scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered around in sheepskins and in goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. I love that phrase. How God sees these people who gave everything and they're still living on earth today. There are people suffering for their faith. And we say in our comfortable lives, I don't feel like it. I thought, Lord, my Christianity has to become more like Bible Christianity and not cultural feel like it 
preference-based Christianity. We need to be a church of conviction again, where the choices we make for Sundays are for him and because we love him and we love his people. You've left your first love. Remember, remember what it was. But I'm so glad he gives us a way back, aren't you? That when we begin to see in the light of his light what he really means, it's not about everything that we do to tick a box. Eventually, that kind of Christianity will end up in the dark and Pinocchio-like without a heart. Jesus didn't die for your money. He didn't die just so you could be blessed. Yes, he died to save you from your sins, but to give you a new heart that would love him with all. The possibility to love him with all comes from within because he's put his spirit within you. There isn't one believer that doesn't have that ability. There's no excuses. It's just to do with your choices, the things that you decide to do, and how you apply your relationship with God personally. If he's not top priority, then to him, you've left where you should be. If my heart, my life, my relationship with God isn't top priority, not the messages I bring, not the, the, the things that I've got to do as a pastor of a church, not the decisions I make, but how he sees me and him. But praise God, he gives us the solution. Remember, <laughs> because it's deadly and dangerous not to take stock. Because bit by bit, bit by bit, you lose the light. Bit by bit, you backslide. Bit by bit, things go wrong. Bit by bit, love for other things start to creep in. And all your goals are about what you want out of life and not about Jesus. And it is bit by bit. You wonder why people leave church. Why they're not here anymore. Bit by bit. Why they aren't on fire for Jesus, bit by bit. When they pray, they've got to try and think of something to pray. And there's no fire in it anymore. They've stopped loving Jesus with all their hearts. Jesus says, remember first. Secondly, repent. It's a wonderful word. I want to tell you it's a saving word. This message will save your life. And there isn't one of us in this room unaffected by it, me included, beloved. We all are under those eyes, like fire, that assess things as he sees them. 
And so he says, basically, repent means a turning, a turning of choice and decision back. So it means a leaving the other things you love and that, that getting your attention and all your devotion, all your energy, turn back, make a decision to turn fully back to him. About face, like the soldiers say. They're doing this, marching away, going the wrong direction, and it's just that. I turn back to you, Jesus, with all of my heart. I ask you to forgive me that I haven't loved you with all my heart, all my soul, all my, my mind, and all my strength. And I'm saying thank you that you forgive me. Thank you you love me enough to speak this message this morning, even though it's uncomfortable and the pastor didn't want to bring it. And thank you, Lord, you brought it anyway. You love me so much you want to rescue me from a futile life and from a life going into darkness. It's a dark place. You think you're okay, but you're not. Warning. Repent. Change. Oh, and the Lord is so not only will he receive us because he loves us and he will help us, but he says, repent and do the things you used to. Not feelings. Interesting. Isn't it interesting he didn't say, repent and feel what you used to feel. Anybody, does that help you? It helps me no end. Because most of my Christian life is not based on what I feel. In fact, it's less and less based on what I feel, but more on what I believe that God says to me, and I am going to act upon it, because he's Lord. If I get the feelings, and I do occasionally, I'm blessed. But he's still Lord of my life, Lord of my heart. He's Lord of everything. He paid for me, not just for the bits I can give him. He loved me so much, he died for me. I mean, I think I could do this. Love him with all my heart, if he gave all that for me. Repent and do the things you used to. Now, <laughs> you know, when you talk to couples and you can see the, that uh, their hearts have begun to turn away from each other. Danger! Heading for the rocks. Put nothing into that relationship. Putting nothing into that relationship. Putting nothing into that relationship equals disaster. Are we listening here today? You know that, naturally speaking, that as a couple, that is very important. It's about face, and you have time together to build. Otherwise, work, the stuff of life, making money, honey, takes over and you will lose everything. You're heading for the rocks. Direct counselling, that was. That's called direct counselling. It'll help you. 
But if you relate that then to your relationship with God, you know, you don't just, in a marriage, you don't just suddenly say, I love you, cheers, thank you for the food, bye, thank you for doing this for me, bye. You actually cultivate that relationship. What does that mean? You make special effort to grow and develop it. And so when God says repent and do, he says make special effort to grow this relationship with me. Cultivate your love for Jesus. Put special effort and develop in like you used to. Sing a lot. Go to the secret place, time alone. Find the time. Arrange your life around personal prayer. Arrange your life around reading and studying the Word of God. Arrange your life around church and meeting with other believers. Arrange life around loving Jesus. And you know, people will get saved around you. You'll be so on fire for Jesus. They'll look at you and say, I'll have some of that. But if you're looking downright miserable like everybody else in the world, making money, making a living, getting by, raising kids, sorting the house, cutting the lawn, off on holiday, uh, what difference is there in being a Christian? There is none. There is none. You shall love the Lord, your God. Thank God he is. He's the Lord, my God, with all. Some people have a bargaining chip. I will, Lord, if you give me this. If you sort this mess, I'll love you. If you heal me, I'll love you. But first... Seek first, above all others. Thank God for love, for family, for church people. Thank God. But nothing is ever to replace that love for Jesus because all other loves will become less. The more you love him, the more you love others, actually. It is the fruit of loving him. You will have more love for your marriage, in your marriage. You'll have more love for your kids and for the lost that live amongst you and around you. You will love people. This is God's way. Repent and do. Make special effort to develop and grow your relationship with God. I don't know if you've heard the Lord this morning. Um just one more thing is in my heart to say. You might be good at one thing, but the Christian life is about a lot more things. So you could say, I'm really good at drums. It's not true of Sam this, but he could say, that's my bit. That's what I do for the Lord. That's it. I've done my bit. And he's faithful. Our Sam. But he's a lot more than that. 
He's a man of prayer. He's a man of the word. He loves Jesus with all his heart. He knew where he came from, the dark place, and God brought him into light. I'm sure he's heard the word this morning because he always does listen, and he'll apply the word. He won't just hear it, he'll do it. But if all you say is, this is me, you need to add other things to your life. Grow, grow your relationship with God so that you can become more and more useful to, to God and to others. Or I provide the money. I do this. This is my bit. It's a load of rot. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He, he already made everything. He bought you, not your tithe. <laughs> he paid for you. He paid for me. I am the redeemed of the Lord. I'm not going to hell. Sorry, it makes me ever so happy. Some of you need a whole new dose of joy in salvation. You've forgotten what he did for you. Remember. Go back to the time. Remember when you loved him like crazy. And you were called crazy. They mocked you. I used to have friends who used to, every time they saw me, they'd just shout hallelujah. They didn't mean it. And I'd go, yes, praise the Lord. <laughs> they would mock me day and night. They would try and dissolve my faith. They would um, hate what I had to say about God, that unless you repent, oh, God is love. If God is love, I won't go to hell. Well, God is love that he saved you. He will, he will save you if you repent. But if you don't, you will. And they hated me for it. I'd plead with them to give their lives to Jesus. When was the last time you witnessed? We need him, don't we? But there's one thing that's needed. And the Lord's told me to tell you, this is what he is saying to all of us. Use this next month, whether it's holiday work, whatever you're doing, use it to cultivate love for Jesus, to grow your relationship with God. Repent today and plan to do different in the next month. Just start something different in your relationship with God. That's what he's told me to tell you. Now, I'm going on holiday. Tomorrow is my first day of holiday. I don't get much holiday. But when I do, I love to take a break from doing what I normally do. But I need to say this. I never don't take Jesus on holiday because he's my life, not my job. And so you might think, oh, give us a break, Pastor Judith. It's hot and it's summer. The kids are going to be off school. How do you expect me? 
Well, the Lord is expecting all of us to repent and do the things that we used to. And so all I can say is, I'm an angel. No, joking, joking. I've been faithful to give you the word of the Lord. He is here as the resurrected, glorified king. And he sees. He celebrates all the good things, and so do I, about you. Some of you guys reduce me to tears in your faithfulness. The way you serve, the way you love. I have to say not all of you, because I need to be honest. I think some of you really do need massive repentance. Others, bits. But repentance is repentance. It's turning around. For all of us, it's making change. But I believe this message will change your destiny. It'll save you for salvation because you see, salvation is a process, not just an event. Salvation is a process. I am saved, I'm being saved, and I will be saved, provided I keep my heart set, and then I will love him with all. My body will follow through wherever my heart goes. And like Pinocchio, by the end of August, everybody's going to be... You'll come back in here. You'll be like, the band will be going, rather than, come on. You'll be going, come on, band. We want to go further. We want to go. We want to praise him more. Praise God. Let's stand. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, uh, that you love us, first and foremost. That you demonstrated your love for each one of us. That Christ died for sinners, of whom I was the worst. Come on. Thank him. Thank him that he died for you. He loved you before you were even born. And he died for you so that you might be forgiven and come into a relationship with God through Jesus. Thank you, Lord, you've forgiven my sins. Thank you, you don't treat me as my sins deserve. Thank you that when I exalt the blood of Jesus and confess my sins, you forgive me. And cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Thank you for your presence. Thank you, Jesus, that you're here this morning as the resurrected King of kings and Lord of lords. The one whose eyes are like fire. You're the word of God. The one who died and rose again and is alive forevermore. The one who has the keys of death and hell. You're the one with the message to us this morning. And Lord, we want to thank you for speaking. 
just thank him for speaking this morning. Even if you didn't really like it, thank him that his intentions are for good. They're always for good because he loves you and he does not want you to lose the light and go back to living in the darkness. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, make these vows good, the things that we say now true. You're the God who loves honesty. You don't like fake. You don't like it just because we're in this meeting, we say something and never do it. Forbid us, Lord, from saying we're going to make changes and not doing it. And treating you with contempt. It's best not to say anything than to commit to the Lord. He's an awesome God. He's awesome here. Lord, we honor you. We ask that this just will not be good intentions, but great decisions. Lord, I repent. If you need to turn your heart fully back to Jesus this morning, I'd imagine we all do in some measure. Lord, I turn. All I can do is about turn. I come to you, Jesus, with all that I am. I don't just come with my heart. I come with my head. I come with my emotions, my choices, my physical being with all that relates to my life, my work, family, uh, jobs, and responsibilities, I turn. I turn fully back to you. Thank you for the reminder to all of us of what it used to be, how we used to love you. And forgive us, Father, well, we haven't devoted ourselves to our own time with you in prayer. That we pray on the run rather than sit at your feet. We've stopped singing all day. Song of the Lord. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us when church has become more of a duty that your people have become, well, we've become uninvolved with them. We don't pray for anybody but ourselves. Forgive, Father. Forgive prayerlessness in this church, Lord. Your church. And we turn with all of our hearts to you. Thank you that you receive us with open arms. Not with condemnation or judgment, just with joy. Like the prodigal returning to his father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just thank him that he receives you. Forgives you all 
your sins. Thank you, Lord. And finally, just take a moment to commit to him to do the things that you know will cultivate your love for Jesus. Prayer, time in the word, fellowship with other believers. Cultivate. Make changes. Arrange your life around your relationship with God. First. First. Oh, Jesus. Heavenly Father, I pray that not one of these will be lost. Under the sound of this word, that not one will go after other things that desire for riches, for unholy living, for a lack of devotion and service to you and just living for pleasure, not for the kingdom, not one. I ask for each one, Father, well aware that you're at work in all of us, but I pray that you would get the will of your people here today. And that we'd all give you our yes. Yes, Lord, we've heard you. We will do the things we used to do in loving you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, Lord, protect and keep us till the last day. Till the last day when we stand before our King and we hear you say, well done. Good and faithful servant. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I'm going to ask all of you who failed this morning to make changes in your relationship with God, could you raise your hand? Praise God. God will revive it, people. A humble and contrite heart you will not despise. God is going to revive the hearts of his people and restore the joy of their salvation. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen. Let's clap the Lord. Let's clap the Lord. Praise your name. Thank you, Jesus. You love us so much. You gave us this message. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Kingdom Faith Southwest. For further information, log on to kingdomfaithsw.com.